Heritage Park Baptist Church, we make apprentices to Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit heritagepark.org. Well, welcome everyone to the sermon portion of this. It is a strange, strange thing. I'm sitting here in my living room on a couch. We had a kid tested this week for um, the COVID-19 virus. And um, so we're being at home and trying to follow all the regulations and stipulations that the government is encouraging. And so um, shooting here from our house Wanted to say thanks for, again for joining us. Let's take a moment and pray together, and then we will jump into the Word together. Uh, Father, it is a different way to meet and a different way to hear from you, but it's the same Word. And so I pray that you, by your Holy Spirit, would speak to every one of us where we are. Uh, help us to know um, what you desire from us, uh, but God, also to know um, how much you are with us and for us in the middle of all of this. I pray, Father, that this would not be a moment where we, as a church family, or where the kingdom of God shrinks back, but instead where we get to go forward um, and see the kingdom move forward. Would you help us now to embrace this, our identity as a family of missionaries? And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you have a Bible today, and I assume you do, you can either open up your app or grab your old um, paper version. And this is First uh, Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. So First Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Here we go. You ready? But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So I want to talk for just a minute about this identity thing. Um, do you have a family identity? Some of you probably do, or at least you think of yourselves this way, or maybe others have said something to you, something like, oh yeah, we're the sports family, or uh, because of the choices that we made regarding our education, we homeschooled, or we sent our kids to public school, or private school, or whatever. Uh, other choices, where you've lived, or where you choose to live, the occupation that you have, you're kind of that family, however that family gets described. I would say most of us have uh, a family identity um, that we have chosen based on our choices. But we as a church family have a family identity based upon um, somebody else's choice of us, on God's choice of us. And that's what I want to talk about here over the next couple of weeks is that God has chosen us as a church family to be a family of missionaries. And this passage really helps us get into that. So um, three kind of key things out of this passage that fall right out of the text. I just want to note that over the next just few minutes. Uh, the first one is the who part. Who are we as a, a family? We are a family of missionaries who live, we live, it's an amazing thing that we get to go and live this good news everywhere we go, who live to pursue God, uh, to love well, and to serve the world. And we start right here in verse nine. But you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. A few words down, who, um, you were not a people, you're now God's people, had not received mercy, but now you receive mercy. So what I want to do is just think about those things for a minute, those titles, if you will, those identity markers that God has given us as his family of missionaries. So who? Here we go. We start in here. We are a chosen race. The word that Peter uses there 
um, can also be translated. In fact, it's most often translated family in the, in, the, uh, in the Bible. So we are a chosen family. We are people that God chose to bring together. So just think about that for a minute. It's not just that God has made us a new person. When, we, when I believed in Jesus and put my trust in him and he made me new, he calls me a new creation. That's a passage we're going to look at here um, in, over the next couple of weeks, but I'm not only a new person, but he has created for us a new people. We get to be a part of a new people. We are a, a chosen people. It is an amazing thing. So we're, we're a part of God's family, not by a choice that we made, but, but by a choice that he has made. Previously in the passage in 1 Peter 2, you can read about how God, re- uh, God was rejected. Jesus was rejected um, by the leaders of the day. But he says, in, in Jesus, you and I, we are chosen. Some of us experience, have experienced rejection. Some of us have experienced oppression and ostracization. I just want you to know, man, God, God brought you into his family. We are not only new people a new person, but we are a new people. We are a chosen family or a chosen race. The second thing he says is we are a royal priesthood. Um, priests were designed, given by God with a task. They were, uh, their task was designed to, to fulfill two, two particular callings. They were to represent the people to God through prayers, intercession, and sacrifice. And they were to represent God to the people through the ways that they um, interacted, through the models that they portrayed, uh, and through the teaching that they provided. And so that's where we are. We are a royal priesthood, representing the people to God through our prayers, through our intercession, through our willingness to sacrifice, and um, we represent God to the people through the way that we model our lives, through the way that we teach, um, through the things that we say, and so forth. So, And it doesn't just say we're a priesthood, but also we're a royal priesthood. So we're not just um, uh, some priest from the backwater. We, we, we are in the royal household. We are God's people. We are serving the King of Kings. And so church family, listen, as we embrace this identity as a family of missionaries, this is not something to be taken lightly. This is something to um, be taken so seriously and embrace so seriously. If you grew up around church, uh, maybe you've heard the phrase, the priesthood of the believer. This is the New Testament passage where that comes from that we are God's people. We have been called into priestly ministry, representing the people to God and God to the people. um, And we are doing so on behalf of the King of Kings. We're a royal priesthood. Third thing he says is that we are a holy nation, a holy nation. The people of Israel were called this. And in fact, Peter stacks all these identity markers on top of one another from a couple of primary passages in the Old Testament, Exodus 19 and the passage in Isaiah. And so this this idea of being a, a holy nation, a holy is people who are set apart. We are a people who are set apart. We are different than everybody else. It's not that we're withdrawn from everybody else. It's not that we um, are, to use the word of the day, quarantined from everybody else, but we are, we are uh, different from everybody else in the way that we live, in the way that we think, in the way that we act, in the way that we give, in the way that we love, in the way that we serve, in the way that we believe. We are different. We are set apart from everybody else. And we're a holy nation, it says. Um, a nation is a group of people under a certain leadership. So right now, many of us, I certainly right now, sitting here on my couch, I'm following the leadership that the government has given regarding 
um, how to respond to this virus. Many of you are doing the exact same. I hope you are, and I hope you're staying safe. We are a people under leadership, and whose leadership are we following? We are a holy nation. We are following God's leadership. So we are a set-apart people who are following God's leadership. And we'll talk about in just a minute about where he's leading us and what he's leading us to. And then lastly, he says, we are a people for God's own possession. In other words, um, we are the place where God chooses to dwell. You think about the temple, and he actually uses this illustration uh, a few verses earlier in the scripture. You think about the temple. This is the place where God chose to dwell. We are God's temple. We are the place that God has chosen to dwell. And so we are God's possession. Previously, it says in verse 10, uh, previously we were not a people. We were separated uh, from God. But now we're God's people. Previously, we had no mercy, but now we have received God's mercy. That's who we are. And so I want us to embrace, and I think God is calling us to embrace this identity as a family of missionaries, people who live to um, pursue God, love well, and serve the world. That's, that's who he has shaped us to be and is shaping us even now um, to be. Um, some of us probably have some trouble with that, and so I just want to illustrate that this way. Um, think about your favorite a team, uh, your team, whoever they may be, basketball, football, soccer, whatever, and think about your favorite player on that team. Big news um, this past week in the sports world, like the only news in the sports world this past week, Tom Brady uh, was signed. He is no longer a New England Patriot. He is signed to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Sorry, all you Patriots fans, Condon family, I see you out there crying already. I'm sorry. But Tom Brady is now a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. So when he takes the field, whenever they uh, are able to step into uh, practice and then into games, he will no longer be a New England Patriot. People may think of him as a New England Patriot, but he's not. He, may, he himself may think of himself as a New England Patriot, but he's not. He has a whole new system to learn. He has a whole new set of players to learn. He has a whole new stadium in which he will play. He has new fans who will follow him and cheer for him. Um, he will put on, if you will, a different jersey. Why? Because he, is, he now has a different identity. He is Tom Brady, the quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He is no longer Tom Brady, the quarterback for the New England Patriots. So all the external stuff will follow, but fundamentally, his identity has changed. So for you and for me, fundamentally, our identity has changed, both personally as well as a church family. We are a family of missionaries, and we want to embrace that. And some people say, well, uh, you know, about my past and all the things that go with that, listen, it doesn't matter what you think of yourself. God is the one who has spoken over you and given you identity. You are a family of missionaries. Um, uh, and some people say, well, what about other people and what they say? Well, listen, it doesn't matter what they say. It matters what God says. You are a family of missionaries. You have now put on his jersey, and now you are playing for his team. And that actually leads us uh, to the next little part. The, the first um, marker or a question we kind of had there, the part of the text I wanted to look at was who? Who are we? What are, what are our identity markers as the family of missionaries? We are a chosen family or a chosen race, a royal priesthood, um, a holy nation of people for God's possession. But then he says this, how, how, did, we, how did we become this? He says at the end of verse um, nine there that God called us out of darkness 
and into his marvelous light. We've been called out of darkness uh, and into light. And I just, I just want to point out, this is our story. Uh, we have been called out of darkness and into light. Sometimes the Bible talks about it, called out of death and into life. However you want to express it, that is the truth. Because of the good news of Jesus, of what he's done for us, you and I are now no longer walking in darkness. We are walking in the light. No longer are we uh, marked by the darkness. We are marked by the light. This has a unique expression for every person here. Um, every person who's hearing my voice, but the story, the storyline is basically the same. Once we were not a people, now we are people. Once we had no mercy, we did not experience the mercy of God, and now we have God's mercy. This is the good news of Jesus. You and I, we were lost, we were separated, we were dead in our sins, and we were living in darkness. And God sent his son, Jesus, for us to rescue us, to uh, come to us, to save us from our sins, to bring us out of darkness and into light. How did he do that? He died on the cross for our sins and in our place and then rose again so that we could have life and freedom, that we could be the people that God wants us to be. How did he do it? He gave us mercy. He called us out of darkness and into uh, his marvelous light. Last thing I want to say uh, is not only how, uh, so we've talked about who, we talked about how, and let's talk about why. It's dead in the middle there of verse 9. Uh, it says we are uh, a chosen race or a chosen family, a royal priesthood, holy nation, people for God's own possession. And then here's what it says, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Why did God do this? That's why we're not just a church family. We're a family of missionaries. We were called by God out of darkness and into light. We were given these new identity markers so that we might proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into his light. So excellencies, that's a, it's a funny word. It's a, kind of an old-fashioned word. Something along the lines of virtues. We would uh, express this in two ways. Number one, we would tell God's story. We would tell God's story. That's one of the ways that we demonstrate um, his excellencies or his virtues. We talk about who God is and what he has done. We talk about the gospel. We talk about how Jesus has come and died in our place and for our sins and um, come back from the dead, the victorious king. We talk about the kingdom of God and all the things that are there, all the virtues that are there, all the ways, how, how, how it is better to live in the kingdom than it is outside of the kingdom. Uh, we talk about the light and the freedom and the life that we have found. We talk about those things and we talk about how God intersected our story with his story. And so we tell the stories that God has given us to tell. We tell the stories about how he sustained us in the middle of this quarantine. We tell the stories about how he's blessed us. We tell the stories about how he's protected us, how he's been good to us. We tell the stories about he, how he has given us strength to walk through this. We tell the stories about how the wave of anxiety um, or depression or whatever is was starting to wash over us. And God gave us strength to stand. We tell those stories. That's part of the way that we um, express uh, uh, this, this, these excellencies or these virtues. It's part of the way that we proclaim this. So I, I just want to uh, remind you for just a minute about who God is. Uh, amid all of this, all of this crazy virus life that we're living right now, I mean, who is God? He is still our creator. He is the one who has made us and he has made us for himself. So the best thing that we could do in these days is turn our eyes to him, to relate to him. 
He is still sovereign. He is still on the throne. Nobody has quarantined him. He has not been pushed off the throne. He has not been removed. He has not been impeached. He is not um, anywhere but where he always is. He is still on the throne. And so today, I just want to encourage you, God is reigning over all of this. There is not a molecule that is out of place in this. God is in control and he is using these kinds of things for his own purposes and his own ends. And so he's still sovereign. Uh, He's also still good. Some of you may have trouble believing that right now. We sing the song on occasion that God's goodness is running after us. That's just as true when the sun is shining as when it's dark and and kind of dreary outside. It is just as true um, when it's a beautiful day and the wind is calm as when the storm comes. And it's just as true as when life is as normal as it can be and when um, the the life of quarantine is, is so disruptive that we don't know what to do with ourselves. He is still just as good. And folks, listen. Church family, listen, he is still just as loving as he has always been. He is the God who loves you. Um, His love has not changed for you. The enemy would love for you to doubt. He would choose for you, tempt you even to doubt his, uh, God's love for you. That's just what he's done over and over and over again. Whenever hardship comes or whenever there's something that may uh, kind of distract us or keep us from looking at God, the enemy will come along and he'll say, see, this is an expression of how much God doesn't love you. And I just want to remind you to look at the cross of Jesus. It is the expression of how much God does love you. It is a permanent fixed expression of that. And it carries forth even today. You want to see how much God loves you. You look at the cross of Jesus, how he died in your place and for your sins. So um, he is still on the throne what is he doing? Well, is he dealing with the world's problems, uh, the, the world's situation? Yes, he absolutely is. He is. But listen, he's also in the business and mostly, I think, uh, interested in uh, dealing with the world's deepest needs. That is the things that keep us in that spiritual darkness and keep us separated from him. So church family, that's the God that we get to tell about, to tell our stories about. That's the God that we get to proclaim his virtue and his excellencies, the creator, the sovereign one, the one who is so good, even in the dark times, and the one who loves us so much, even in those dark times. That's who we get to proclaim. The second way that we proclaim his excellencies is not just by opening our mouth. That is crucial. And believe me, I hope you're connected to people. I hope you're um, using social media for that. I hope you're picking up the phone and calling. I hope you're writing letters. I hope you're doing any number of things uh, that would help you stay connected uh, to people. I hope many of you are able to meet in your small group or your Sunday school classes via the virtual platforms that we have set up. I hope you're connected and being able to use your words to stay connected. But also... More than that, we also get to show God's mercy to others. That is the way, uh, a primary way, especially in these days, where we get to um, uh, proclaim the virtues or excellencies of God. We get to proclaim this God is a merciful God. And uh, many of you have asked already about some things that are happening or could happen. You keep coming up with ideas as soon as we can get free or see a need and we can match your idea with that need. Man, we want to do that. That actually happened this week. Uh, We came up with an idea of what about families who are going to be sitting uh, at the emergency room. So we packed these snack bags and there was an ER um, manager that was ready to receive them. And I hope you saw that on our social media uh, post that Uh, It went out and they were so excited to be able to share with families who came to the ER and who were in need. We put a little snack bag together for um, 
It was a, 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 a little snack thing of crackers and a granola bar and some chips and a bottle of water. And one of our families was able to get those together and we put 60 in an ER. And you know what? They called back and they said, hey, next week, can we have about 60 more? So here we are doing ministry. And so you get to continue to show God's mercy. Uh, another way many of you have already uh, engaged in is, um, this is not for me because I can't sew, but some of you have been sewing um, little scrub hats or some people call them surgical hats, scrub hats um, for nurses and other first responders. And uh, you can find uh, information about that on our Facebook page. I would encourage you to look there if you like to sew or, or want to try it to try to help. Just another way that we can meet practical needs and, and give uh, practical mercy ministry uh, to people around us. So I want to close... I want to close with this because you and I, we have an opportunity to go live. Ministry does not have to shrink. It does not have to contract. Ministry is changing right now for sure, um, but it is, it's a part of our story. We just adapt and keep doing the things that God has given us to do. So I want to close with this uh, story because I think one of the, t- the uh, temptations is for us as a church, maybe me as a person, uh, to think, man, this is a unique time in history. What I would say is this is not the only time this has ever happened to a church. This is not the only time that has ever happened to the church. And so I just want to remind us, like, there's nothing new under the sun. And man, God has used people before in situations just like this. So in 252 AD, 252 AD, a plague broke out in Italy and all the uh, Roman uh, nobility fled uh, to their country estates to uh, stay away from the plague. But the Christians and the, the Christians of the church of Rome and the other cities, they stayed in the cities and they ministered to the sick and they um, buried the dead and they took care of the orphans who were now uh, without parents. They were doing And listen, as a result of that, uh, and, and as a result of the witness of the church during a, a tough, tough time for uh, their country because of a sickness, because of a widespread sickness, as a result of that, uh, their witness turned many to Christ. There was actually an explosion of conversions, people who put their faith in Jesus. May it be so of us. May we step out. May we go live this good news and be smart about it. Please be smart about it. Wash your hands. Do all the things that we're supposed to do and be ready for ministry. Think about those who are around you. Think about those who are in your neighborhood. Think about those that you could contact. Think about ways for you to connect with them and demonstrate mercy, to show mercy. Think about ways that you can share your story. And in doing those two things together, you will proclaim the virtues, the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I'm gonna pray. And then uh, we'll sing a song of response and give us some time to think. Father, thank you for um, this time in the word. Uh, I pray that we would embrace this identity as a family of missionaries who live, we go live, God, and our lives look like pursuing God and loving well and serving the world around us. Would you give us ideas, opportunities, uh, help us to be smart about those things. Um, Lord, we want to step into this time with a sense of uh, we are useful in your hands to move the kingdom forward. Help us to be thoughtful about how we do that. Uh, We pray for uh, the government, all the leaders, the president on down, all the task force, the people who are making decisions all the way down to county and city leaders. We ask, Father, that you would give them wisdom uh, from above. Some know Jesus and some don't, but would you give them wisdom from above uh, to help combat this? Uh, We pray, God, for an abatement of all of this. 
and uh, uh, a, a protection over your people so that we can continue minister just like they did uh, in the 200s in Italy. God, we pray that we would be faithful in moments like this and we would see an explosion of your kingdom because of it. We trust you now. Please protect everybody who hears this sermon and this prayer. Please protect them all uh, from the virus. And Lord, give us health in order that we might do the things that you've given us to do. And that's what I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.